0: Midian, He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you the land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the am- Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the yoke of Oprah and that belonged to Joash, and it's always good to have hard names, isn't it? Ab is right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the land of the Midian. Lord the turned, Lord, turned Lord, Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am not... I am, let's just try that again. I had a long night. And it wasn't because of Miller. <laughs> am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered... I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. We're going to hear the second half a little bit later and see what happens to Gideon. Uh, We're going to have a period of time now where we pray and uh, we have an opportunity in our church to have open prayer. Where we pray about things that are on people's hearts and minds. And uh, if you've got something you'd like us to pray about, you can uh, tell us that and we're happy to pray for you. Or you can pray for it yourself. We're happy for you to pray as well. So, is there anything that you'd like us to be praying for at the moment? Jack? We pray for to God for the uh, water out back. Yes. Jack and Gwen do a trip out into the west in the middle of the year, uh, and they go out and teach scripture and uh, help out a number of ter- churches out there. And I think for the last five years there's been no water anywhere. So this year there's going to be water. How good's that? Uh, we need to pray too that that water doesn't become too much for some of them and destroy things. But uh, from what I've heard, it's been very well welcomed. So pray about. It. Gail. Yep. 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 So, Graham and Marilyn's granddaughter. Granddaughter. Yep. Okay. That'd be great. Does someone from Beach Mission want to tell us any prayer points that we've got there? Yeah. No storms yet. Now that would be a miracle. If we get through the whole of Beach Mission without a storm, that would be impressive. That would be great, wouldn't it? Keep praying for good weather because that allows the fact that more people come along, more opportunities for people to hear about Jesus. So let's keep praying for the weather. That would be great. All right, well, let's uh, spend some time in prayer. Uh, John, are you going to kick us off, mate? That would be great. Thanks, guys. We're going to read the second half of the story. <clears throat> so we'll click that back up. We're going to start from verse uh, 19. So follow along. It says this, Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an epar of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in the basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realised that this was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace! Do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Oprah of the Abiezites. That same night the Lord said to, said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of the height, of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, Who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded for Joash, Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him Are you going to plead on Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon, Jerob Baal, saying, Let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and blew a trumpet Summoning the Aberazites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh calling them to arms and also into Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Drew, it's all yours, mate.
1: Uh, maybe Ricky Ponting or someone like that. Um, I asked Paul before, and he uh, he said Roger Federer would be his hero. Uh, I was talking to uh, to Mitch a bit earlier about Dale, um, and uh, he said that at the moment, uh, seeing he's uh, not getting a lot of sleep, that maybe a bottle of V Energy drink and uh, his daily newspaper would be his heroes. Uh, I don't know whether uh, Dale. Uh, does are uh, getting much sleep at the moment, but today heroes are really hard to find. We can search high and low for men and women, um, women to emulate in our lives, only to see them fall from grace really quickly. And I suppose if you look in the media at the moment, you probably see a really good example of that in Tiger Woods. People looked up to this guy, and all of a sudden he's just come crashing down. Well, this morning we're going to have a look at the life of Gideon, and we've just read a, a fairly big passage. Uh, from the book of Judges and Judges is a book about heroes in a sense. It's about 12 men and women who delivered Israel from her uh, oppressors and these men and, men, these men and women were not perfect but at times in their life they were submissive to God and, that, and I guess when they were submissive God was able to use them at the same time. So I think the story of Gideon has a lot to say to us today His failures, in a sense, give me hope. Every day I'm reminded of God's promises. And yet being human and being the person I am, I still choose sometimes uh, not to go along with those things. I tend to to do things my own way. I uh, still worship my other interests and I I struggle to worship God sometimes. And uh, not everything else that's just going on in the world around me that I'm bombarded by. I think that God is sometimes calling me to do more. Uh, whether it be to have more faith or to to pray more, to love more, to serve more, whatever it is. But then I choose to remain where I am and it might be because I'm scared uh, or I feel that I don't have the skills to do what I should be doing. Well I think this morning we can look at this passage and we can look at what we're talking about this morning and think that in a sense we all have something in common with Gideon. And I don't mean to be rude but I do think it is because we are weak and as, as humans we are weak. So this morning we're going to do three things. We're going to do a quick overview of the life of Gideon just so we can get a little bit of context. Uh, then we're going to look at what we can learn from Gideon and the mistakes that he made uh, and I think we can learn from that because we do that as well. And then the main part of it is we're going to look at uh, what we can learn from what Gideon did really well. Uh, And at the same time, uh, how God was able to use him even when he was reluctant. So let's start by having a look at the life of Gideon. Gideon was a a fairly simple farmer, Uh, he was leading a simple life. And we've just read Judges chapter 6, and it shows us that for seven years, the Midianites had been raiding the Israelites. The Midianites had camels, so they could cross over all these desert regions very quickly, they could attack the Israelites. Uh, they could leave quickly taking with them whatever they wanted uh, they could destroy uh, whatever they didn't want to take and every year at harvest time this happened they came, they took all that they wanted, they destroyed it and they were like a band of locusts, they just came in they stole everything that had been grown during the year and as we saw in what we read they drove the Israelites into the mountains and they were hiding in caves and, uh, and that's a, a, a fairly uh, demoralising thing In Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, if you've got your Bible open and you want to follow, uh, we find Gideon uh, threshing wheat in a wine press. And he's doing this, it's not the normal thing to be doing this inside a wine press, he's doing this because he was afraid of the Midianites. He didn't want to be seen by them and have all his his food stolen and his crop, he was trying to provide for his family. So here he is, he's hiding in fear and he's threshing wheat and Gideon was prompted probably wondering why God was not protecting his chosen people. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And in verse 12, if you're following, it says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So then Gideon asks in verse 13, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and put us in the hand of the Midian. In answer to Gideon's question, the Lord replies and he says, Go in strength, uh, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And the to and fro keeps happening. Gideon then responds in verse 15, But Lord, how can I save Israel? He's just not convinced. My clan is weak, and I am the least of my family. We then see, in just summarising some of this, we see Gideon take his men uh, and a bull and uh, go at night and uh, pull down the altar of Baal. Sorry, Baal. Um, and from here we see Gideon uh, and his testing of the fleeces. And then in chapter 7 and 8, uh, if you were to go on and read, if you want to read a little bit of that later on, uh, you'll see Gideon start to become more and more convinced about what God is trying to do in his life. However, I still think that if you look at it, some of the things that God does would have totally freaked me out. If you read in chapter 7 and 8 when you get home, um, he had 32,000 people that he could have had in his army and all of a sudden God keeps pulling all these people um, back and he ends up going into battle with 300. Now most of us, we want to know God's plan for our lives but we're not always sure how to find it. A good example of this can be seen in Gideon's life. There's no doubt that he was surprised and he didn't think that he was up to what God was asking him to do. So that brings us to part two. Now I've got two little kids as I was saying before, uh, Lily and Cooper, they're two and three years old. And anyone who's had anything to do with kids uh, knows that there's times when they really push the boundaries um, my two little kids are getting pretty tired being on beach mission as well uh, and they are trying to push the boundaries a bit at the moment. They will uh, test Amy and I, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll see whether they'll get the same answer as the last time they asked that question um, and it becomes a bit of a test in a sense. And this is what Gideon was doing in this passage. So the question, the first question we're going to look at this morning is, um, is testing God something that we should be doing? Well if we had a look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 7 it says it's written again you shall not tempt the Lord your God. To me that's pretty clear. You see God in his mercy in this situation he let Gideon get away with his questioning and all his testing. But does Gideon give us a surefire method of getting answers out of God when we're not convinced? I don't think he does. He does. I don't think that it's a good model. There are many more solid ways in which you and I can actually try and understand the will of God because it's not always really clear for us. Gideon ignores God. So what should we do? Well, the first thing that I want to encourage you to do, if you're feeling like you don't understand where you're at and whether you should be doing something, is you need to get into God's word because God is not going to direct you something that is outside of his word that's the first thing second thing is we need to pray and we need to pray earnestly that god will give us guidance about where we are at and during that time that we'll continue to listen to god that us praying won't be all about us and what we want but we'll listen to what god has to say that we'll give it time and thought that we'll talk to others and people that you trust and especially older christians that may have experienced what you're going through before. I'm sure in this church there's um, plenty of people that you could go to and talk to about things that have experienced stuff in the past. And in a sense, you even need to get started on what you're doing and let God guide you as you're going through. It's pretty hard to move something that's stationary. So we can learn from Gideon, but we must learn from God and use him as our rock and example. We can go through heaps of hard stuff in our lives. For you guys here this morning, it might be tough things at work. It might be family situations that are difficult. Uh, It might be relationships that you have, whether it be at school or wherever it is. It might be ministries that you're involved in in the church and difficult things come up. But whatever it is, we need to take away a better model than what Gideon presented to us here this morning in how to get guidance... That's not a good model. Now, there are many more things that we could focus on that Gideon did wrong, but I really want to focus on the ways in which God was able to use him, even when he was reluctant, and some of the things that he did right. So the first thing that stood out to me was that Gideon obeyed God when he was scared. Judges chapter 6 and verse 27, if you've still got your Bible open, says, "...but because he feared his father's house..." and the men and women of the city too much to do it by day, he went and did it by night. He pulled down the altar at night when no one was around. He was afraid to do what God had asked him to do. Um, I go to a church, as I said, back in uh, um, Narrabeen, uh, and I heard a pastor from my church say recently to me that he's been meeting with someone that had been sharing with him that they were really struggling to do what God had asked them to do. And they were feeling like God was asking them to do a particular thing, but they weren't doing it because they were scared. And the pastor's response was to them, well, go and do it scared then. And in a sense, that's the ticket. Being scared should not stop us from doing what God directs or inspires us to do. I'm scared about things all the time. I'm sure you guys are as well. And we can admit that we're scared and that we're afraid, But we still need to step forward in God's power. We can see from Gideon that even though he did not have faith at the start, he used what faith he did have and then he took the next step. And as you read through more and more of the chapters 6 to 8, you'll see he progressively took the next step and the next step. So in your life, in your Christian life, what is it that scares you about your Christian walk? What is it that gets you out of your comfort zone? Are you going to do it anyway? Or are you going to chicken out and sit back and just think someone else will do it? Uh, Relating it to Beach Mission, I remember coming up to Beach Mission, as I said, as a 17-year-old and being asked to share my testimony uh, on the bush dance night. And a lot of you will have been to that night. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of people going all over the place and trying to get their attention. And I was totally freaking out about giving this testimony. It got me out of my comfort zone. You see, God likes to operate with us outside of our comfort zone. We need to have faith that he will be with us and that he will help us through what we are trying to do for him. The next thing that I took away was that we can learn that God understands our weaknesses and that he uses us anyway. In this world, uh, you can see in whatever culture you're in that power and strength, And independence are things that people see that are really important. But in God's kingdom, it's the exact opposite. If you want to have a read through Psalm 34 later on, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. See, God saw Gideon for what he created him to be, not what he was right then and there. He saw a mighty warrior when Gideon was hiding out in a wine vat. He saw a king of Israel in the youngest son of a shepherd. He saw a wise administrator that was able to, to get um, a lot of people out of trouble in a slave. God can use us for what he's created us to be regardless of our present circumstances. It doesn't matter where we're at at the moment. So in your life, I want to challenge you this morning not to put yourself in a box and think that you only have certain skills or that you're only up to something at a certain level. We need to be open and let God use all of us for the way he has planned. It's really important that we consider that this morning. The third thing, and another area where I really learnt something and I was challenged by, was when Gideon realised that he had to sacrifice before God made him into a warrior. We need to acknowledge that God is the one that is in charge and in control before he can start to use us in the way that he knows that we were created to be. We see Gideon have to tear down a false altar uh, and we need to leave our ungodly lives behind and go where God wants us to go. Now, I don't know all of you very well, um, so I guess I'm sitting here thinking that that's something that maybe you're already doing. But in your Christian walk, what is it that distracts you from worshipping God? What's going to take your focus off God and onto something else? We need to make sure that we leave all of this behind and focus everything on God so that he can use us, regardless of whether you're going to work or whether you're going to school or university or whether, whatever you're doing, we need to focus on God and have Him in our lives all the time. The last thing is something that I find really hard and, that, and it's trusting in God when things do not make sense. I don't know about you, but I find that really difficult. When you sort of feel called to do something and you're going, God, what are you doing here? I don't understand where you're at. Gideon eventually trusted God even when it didn't make sense to him. It didn't fully make sense either. Only a fool would go into battle with only 300 men. From this, it's important for us to remember that we only become what God intends through his power and not our own. If we are weak in any situation, God can be the one that is strong. In our lives we need to remember that it's what God will do through us that will impact for you guys, the people of Evans Head. It's not what we will do on our own. It's not what we can say, it's what God can say through us. It's how he can empower us. So I'm going to be praying for you guys and you need to be praying yourselves that God will be working in the hearts of the people that you come in contact with so that they're prepared for what you have to say. If you look at Gideon, he was just a pretty ordinary guy. He wasn't anything really special until God revealed to him all that he could be. God spoke to him in a way more appropriate for the person that he was going to become rather than the person that he was. As we read about Gideon, we see that he had many fears. But God was patient with Gideon, even in his weaknesses. Many of us do not see ourselves as we really are. We often have unhealthy images of ourselves, but our real identity is unbelievable. And we need to not forget this. After all, we belong to God and are complete in Christ. One of the biggest lies that Christians believe is that God only uses these really special people or talented people. However, it's clear throughout the Bible that people become special because God is able to use them. We need to get rid of all these unhealthy images of ourselves. Gideon had that problem and the Lord answered his objection by saying that I will be with you. Now, my wife uh, is an absolute legend. I love her very much. But she doesn't have much idea about cars. And uh, there's been a few times where I've been at work and uh, I've got a phone call saying the car won't go anywhere. It's stuck in the middle of a road and I can't get anywhere. So I run down there. And you get down there and it's either got a flat battery or it's run out of petrol or it's, uh, you know, whatever it is. Something's gone wrong. Um, And I've had to go down and rescue her there and make sure everything's all right. But when you get there, you actually see that all the things that she needed, whether it be a flat tyre, all the tools are there. They're right in front of her. All the resources that she needed was there. And we need to be reminded of that. In our Christian lives... We need to be reminded that the resources in our lives, if we have God with us, are absolutely incredible. The Lord said to Gideon, I will be with you. The Lord wants to encourage us. God sees what we can become with his help and his power. So many of us need to change our self-image. We have a new name. We have a new identity in a sense and that is we're a Christian follower of Jesus. What is important is not our little strength or whether we think we're talented, but the fact that God is with us. So guys, I challenge you not to let, not to let yourselves limit what you can do because God working through you can have a massive impact. A few of you might have seen uh, the Message Bible and the author of, the Bible, uh, of, of that Bible uh, well, not the author, but the guy who put it all together, Eugene Peterson, he says that the challenge in our psychology-obsessed culture is to, is to see is to see what, health, what is healthy in people Sorry, um, instead of what is going wrong. It's very easy for us to look for all the dysfunctional things in people. It's pretty easy to see the dysfunction in Gideon's life, but it's harder to see how God was able to work through him. If you look at the book of Hebrews and the way they talk about Gideon, they seem to only remember Gideon there as this man of great faith. And in a sense, that's how God, I think, looks at us. God is gracious and he's working through our weaknesses, accepting and loving us for who we are. You're never too sinful and you're never too bad to return home. God does not seek people who are the most outwardly capable or the most naturally strong, he intentionally works with the most unlikely material so that everyone can see that the glory actually belongs to God and not to us. The Apostle Paul, if you want to have a read later in 1 Corinthians, he marvelled over that. He, he, he writes about it heaps. But time and time again as we read the word of God, we can see him cutting away at man's self-confidence in a sense To bring him to a place where he has to admit that he's totally inadequate to do what God wants him to do. And it's vital for us if we want to be warriors for God it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 we are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves our adequacy comes from God. We need to remember that. So in wrapping up we can see that Gideon did some great things. However, Gideon also had his weak moments and his failures, but he was still God's servant. So what do we take away from this? Well, Gideon chose... So God chose Gideon, and God also chooses you guys. Gideon eventually listened, and he obeyed. The challenge for us is, well, we do the same. If God was willing to work with Gideon as he did to give him courage and clarity, then he'll also work through us if we're to ask him. He sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins so that our souls will be safe from destruction. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. We should be going into battle, if you like, knowing that we fight from a position of victory. Not through what we have done or what we can do, but through what God has done for us on the cross. By going to the cross, he dealt with our sin, and by rising again, he's won that battle. We have God in us and working with us and guiding us in every step that we take. So in finishing, know that, guys. Know what a blessing it is. We need to use the power of God. There's nothing that's out of his control. Even when you're scared and you feel out of your depth, we need to trust in God. This is a great church, and I have sort of seen this church grow massively over the years as I've come up each year. Uh, We've got more and more people at the church, and... uh, The ways in which you guys are involved in the community are great. And He has great plans for all of you. Encourage each other to get involved. Look for ways to contribute in your church and in your community. And know that God has massive plans for all of you. The challenge is there for all of you. And all of me as well, I guess. We need to do it. I say what I'm about to say in love, especially seeing as I hardly know anyone here. But don't be soft. Don't sit back and think that someone else will do it. Don't sit back and take the easy option. I've been coming up here for for 13 years and I've seen the growth, as I said, in this church. I would love to keep coming back and seeing it grow more and more and more. You need to keep going. You need to find ways like Gideon did to keep taking that next step, both individually and as a church. So pray that God will help all of you to impact Evan's head for him that we will share the great message of Jesus and it will impact their life eternally let's pray Lord Jesus I just want to thank you for the time that we can spend together now I thank you for your word I thank you that it's challenging for us I thank you that uh, it's something that we need to be comforted by as well the fact that no matter who we are and what skills we have, Lord, that you can get us out of our comfort zone and you can help us and guide us and encourage us and empower us in whatever situation we are in. I pray for this church, pray for Paul and all the people that attend this church, that you will be with them and help them to keep growing in you and to being obedient to you in serving the community of Evans Head so that more and more people will come to know you and be a part of your kingdom eternally. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.